Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. Our life study today brings us to Genesis chapter 31. And to help us enjoy it and to open it up, Brother Ron Kangas has been so kind to join us. Ron, it's nice to have you back. It's a pleasure to be back to explore life in the Word of God. Our story of Jacob, the picture of transformation, continues today in Genesis 31. And with Jacob, this process seems to be lifelong. But I've heard Christians say that transformation will take place in the twinkling of an eye at the Lord's return. Isn't there a verse, Ron, in the Bible that confirms this understanding? No, there is no verse that confirms this understanding. But there is a verse which, when wrongly interpreted and applied, may give rise to this understanding. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul indicates that when Christ comes and the believers are raptured and resurrected, we all will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. That change in the twinkling of an eye does not refer to the transformation of the soul described in Romans 12 and 2 Corinthians 3 and illustrated in the story of Jacob. That refers to the instantaneous change of the body, otherwise known as transfiguration. The problem with many American Christians in their concept today is that everything they feel is instant. Regeneration is instant. Salvation is instant. Transformation is instant. Transfiguration is instant. Well, some things are instant, such as regeneration and transfiguration, and others are not. The transformation of the soul does not take place in the twinkling of an eye. It is a lifelong, organic, metabolic process in the experience of Christ as life. It is a great, even tragic loss for Christians to waste their lives in the sense that they lose opportunities for their soul's transformation because they think everything is now instant. No, transformation is a lifelong process, and we need to earnestly pursue it day by day. If we're convicted by the fact we've already wasted time, we need to turn to the Lord earnestly, seek Him for His mercy, and pray that every day will be a day of growth in the divine life for our transformation. Thank you, Ron. These two terms, transformation and transfiguration, are often confused, but it's clear they're not the same thing, are they? They're not the same thing in spiritual experience. The context and the application indicate that transfiguration of the body is one thing. Transformation of the soul is another. 
we must go beyond the mere linguistic form of the text and on the basis of that form to grasp the divine revelation. It's crucial, especially in the matter of transformation. We miss this. We have missed a very great matter in the Christian life. Thank you, Ron. Let's join Witness Lee for today's life study of Genesis and our picture of Jacob, the picture of transformation. We come to chapter 31. This chapter shows us that a subtle person can be material for God's building by the way of God dealing. This subtle Jacob in chapter 31 surely has a lot of changes, a lot of transformation. But we have to say, even after that much transformation, this call one of God is still such a natural man. He's not sinful, but he's still natural. How could I say that he's still natural? He was uh, afraid of Laban. Laban, on the way, pursuing after Jacob in the night. When he was resting, God came to him. God warned Laban, be careful. Don't say anything from go to bed. And Laban told Jacob the story. After hearing this, Jacob became so sad. This was a natural man. If Jacob was really spiritual, he would say, Praise the Lord. Oh Lord, I praise you. How I thank you that I am in your hand. My goodness, after hearing the story of how God came to Laban and charged him not to do anything, Jacob got strengthened. And he got the boldness to rebuke Laban. This means Jacob thus far had been transformed, but not fully. Brothers and sisters, the growth of life is not a mushrooming thing. You cannot have the maturity, the transformation life just overnight. This is a lifelong matter. Chapter after chapter, all this man was striving until the last few chapters. The man Jacob stopped his striving. You know what he did there? He put his two hands on the staff he used to travel. He put his two hands there, worshiping God, doing nothing and seeing nothing. He was there, fully, certainly, wholly transformed. The transformation is ripe at the very end of his lifetime. The matter of transformation needs the whole life. Ron, we've seen that Jacob was still quite natural, but he was not that sinful. 
I think most of us as Christians regret our sinfulness very much and are keenly aware of it. But I'm not sure that our disdain of our naturalness is quite as sharp. Is this as big a problem to God as our sin is? Uh, In a sense, we would never minimize the seriousness of sin. In order for the problem of sin to be solved, the only begotten Son of God needed to become a man and die on the cross as our substitute. So we in no way would make a light comparison of the seriousness of sin and the seriousness of the natural life. In a sense, to compare them in terms of seriousness is to compare apples and oranges. Having established that, we need to say from another angle, from the angle of the experience of life, our naturalness, that is, our natural constitution and makeup, are a formidable problem to the Lord. But we may be oblivious to it. The reason many are oblivious is the lack of vision of God's economy. God wants not merely to save us from judgment, but to save us also in his life to transform us. It is a sad thing that one would be a Christian his or her entire life, yet in the soul remain the same as an unbeliever. The story of Jacob indicates that God's purpose cannot be fulfilled with natural people. We must be transformed, resurrected believers. For the Lord to deal with our sin in our experience is not that difficult. The Spirit convicts us, we repent, we receive justification, forgiveness, and cleansing. This can happen in a brief span of time. But naturalness requires a long period of time for the spirit of life to work in us, leading to our transformation. So in that sense of the challenge it poses, it is as big a problem as sin. Thank you, Ron. Let's rejoin Witness Lee with more of our life study from Genesis 31. There was a weak point with Jacob because Jacob was not that matured. Jacob didn't pray because he was Jacob (laughs) to flee Laban was his skillful way to uh, run away, to flee. Surely it's not a noble thing. It's not an honest thing. But you can see in this chapter, even such a thing was still under God's permission. What I mean this, if you have been mistaken, let it be mistaken. Don't regret for that. Even your being mistaken uh, does a good job to transform you. None of us could be 100% noble, honest, and faithful, and uh, right. Only the Lord Jesus, as a human being, 
He was noble, honest, faithful, and right. Not one of us. It's like that. We all have our weak points. We all have our natural weakness. Why Jacob fled? Because he was weak. In what? In faith. In being able, willing to sacrifice. But God knows. Even you're being wrong. You're making mistake. Still is something under God's sovereignty. Try the best to understand me. God sovereignly even uses your mistakes to transform you. I don't encourage you to make mistakes. I do believe no one among us once desires to make mistakes. Right? I can testify day by day, month after month, year by year. I did pray, Lord, keep me from making mistakes. I had no intention to make any mistakes, and I hate mistakes. But eventually, telling the truth, I made some big mistakes. I can testify nothing transforms us as our mistakes. Well, you may say, this is Jesus, let's do evil, that good may come. I don't mean that. If you intend, purposely, intentionally to make mistakes, that wouldn't transform you. That will put you down and condemn you. But you've been doing the best to keep yourself from being mistaken. Oh, Lord, keep me, Lord. Keep me in your hand. Keep me in your presence. Never allow me to make any mistakes. Lord, I'm fearful and trembling in your presence. After three months, a big mistake came out. I tell such kind of mistake surely would be used sovereignly by the Lord to transform you. Ron, we have a word here today that, taken wrongly, could easily be misapplied. Would you explain again for us how the Lord will use even our mistakes for our transformation? I'll try to offer a clarifying word. We should never excuse ourselves in the presence of a holy, righteous, and glorious God. Sins, transgressions, wrongdoings, mistakes, these are serious matters. We can never lightly regard them by saying, well, good came out of it, so I guess it doesn't matter. No, it matters. We are by no means saying, as some wrongly accuse the Apostle Paul of saying, well, let us do evil that good may come. We're not saying, let us make mistakes so that transformation may come. That is not the point. The point is, we make mistakes. But mistakes are included in the all things that work together for good, according to Paul's word in Romans 8.28. The crucial matter here is that the Lord uses our mistakes 
for our transformation. We have done something wrong. Now we are in a certain situation because of it. God does not gloss over that mistake. But now, in his sovereignty, in his wisdom, he would use it for our transformation. What a glory to our all-wise God that he can take the best advantage of our mistakes and in this way turn our mistakes into a blessed experience of the transforming life of the triune God. So we should pray to avoid mistakes. We should seek not to make mistakes. On the other hand, we should rejoice in our sovereign God who is able and in fact is actually causing our mistakes to be a means, at least an opportunity, for him to transform us. So in a sense, we may say, we need to repent, but not to regret. We should not waste our present regretting our past, but look to the Lord for his grace, for his mercy, and pray to him and trust him that our very mistakes for which we are responsible will be used by him for our transformation. What a glory to the transforming spirit of the triune God. That is very helpful. Thank you, Ron, for that fellowship. Let's join Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study. No man is trustworthy. In the Lord's hands, we all have to realize no human being, even the most closed relative, is trustworthy. Don't put your trust in any human being. If we realize that we are the core ones, and we are now in the process of God's transformation, we have to realize it is altogether a matter of God's hand. It is not a matter of any human being trustworthy. No. Don't put your trust in anybody, nor you need to put any blame on anyone. You don't need to trust anyone. You don't need to blame anyone. Whether your uncle is honest, faithful, trustworthy, or not, all the time you have to say, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is sovereign. I am not in my uncle's sign. I am in God's sovereign hand. Even my uncle, who is not so trustworthy, he is still in God's sovereign hand for the goodness of my transformation. You have to realize all the persons, all the things, and all the matters in your environment, circumstances, are instruments. Means used by God sovereignly for your transformation. If the transformation needs someone to be so honest to you, God will get one. But most of the time, for our transformation, we need an uncle like Laban. So we all have to say we shouldn't trust in our environment, nor we have to complain anyone. 
We're to thank the Lord forever. And even you have to pray, Lord, I thank you for my weakness. Praise the Lord. Our weakness is also a means used by God to transform us. Now, in all these scenes, what's crucial here is the very invisible God with his invisible hand. This is not a story of a human life. No, this is the revelation of the transforming God. The crucial figure is neither Laban nor Jacob, nor anyone else, but the hidden God, doing things sovereignly to prepare the environment for you. The crucial person is not anyone else, but the very sovereign transforming God. We all need to see this picture. And I do believe this will help us to rest in Him. And this will help us to believe whatever we are and wherever we are and in whatever situation, environment we would be. That'd be okay. Why? Because it is all together sovereignly under His transforming hand. Ron, I enjoyed this section very much, and I'm certain that many of our listeners did as well. But though it sounds good, it is difficult to get into this thought that everything in our environment is from the hand of our sovereign God for our transformation. How can we come to such a realization? A number of things are involved here, and I don't claim to know them all, and we don't have time to cover them all. Romans 8.28 says that all things work together for good to those, number one, who love God. The more we love Him and care for His heart's desire, the more we will be able to realize that the things happening to us are being used by Him to accomplish His purpose. If we do not love Him, by which I mean if we do not exercise our heart to love him in the midst of our situation, it's hard to have this realization. Paul also says that all things work together for good to those who are called according to the purpose. If we have no understanding or a wrong understanding concerning God's eternal purpose, we cannot have the proper realization that the things happening to us under God's sovereign arrangement are carrying out this purpose. But if we have the vision that is presented in the New Testament concerning God's purpose, gradually this vision will help us realize the connection between what we are experiencing and God's purpose. Two other matters I would mention quickly. One of them is, the more we are one with the Lord in the midst of our situation, open to receive his supply, the more we will have the proper realization. The other is, we need the ministry and the fellowship 
of those who really know the Lord, not in a theological way, but in an experiential way. And they are a pattern to us of those who are one with the Lord in love, according to his purpose in all situations. And it is their testimony and their ministry that will shepherd us into the proper realization that our Lord is the Lord for God's purpose. Ron, this was a wonderful and helpful life study. Thank you very much for your assistance. You're welcome, and may the Lord bless all our listeners and their pursuing of the Lord for his eternal purpose. Amen. You have been listening to the Life Study of Genesis with Witness Lee. If you would like more information about this program, then please call 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or write to Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. You can also send us email at radio at lsm.org. For a free download of this program, or to find more information, visit us online at lsm.org. If you've enjoyed what you've heard from this Life Study of Genesis, then we encourage you to freely distribute this program. It's available in MP3 format. Again, it can be downloaded from lsm.org free of charge.